Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Off the foot of Owens, picked up by Perkins, puts it up, that's it, there's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. The Red Raiders of Texas Tech are going to the Final Four for the first time in program history. Welcome into the Dinger Derby Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Patrick. Normally, this is the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. This week, we'll allow something special. It'll be 95% devoted to Texas Tech baseball. The Texas Tech men's basketball team has made the first Final Four in school history. It has been so much fun watching this team put together what they have as they've gone through the regular season, Tulsa, Anaheim, and now headed to Minneapolis on Wednesday to face off with the Michigan State Spartans on Saturday, their first ever appearance in the Final Four. You know, this kind of stuff gets you reflecting and thinking about your school and what it is that has gotten you to this point. You know, Chris Beard, when he was introduced as head coach three years ago, he stood there in his press conference and he said that his goal would be and would always be to get the Red Raiders to a Final Four, to do things that Marsha Sharp had done so many years ago at Texas Tech to win every game on the schedule and get to a Final Four. Well, that got me thinking and it reminded me of what happened with the Red Raiders and Tim Tadlock when he became the head coach at Texas Tech and what that looked like back then. And it's just so impressive to watch men of conscience, good men that are coaching guys the right way to play the game the right way and do things the way they should to watch them build a program, men of vision. I really just think that is something special. Kirby Hocutt has excelled so far at finding men of vision, maybe women of vision as well with some of the other coaches like Marlene Stallings and the Lady Raiders just has excelled in finding people that have a vision for how to build a program to national prominence. And so you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt as he makes hires and think about what it is that he's finding this X factor in these folks that they're able to come and do this. So you hear this from the basketball team, you see them taking off and doing amazing things makes me reflect a little bit on baseball. And I pulled this one up from YouTube the other day. I thought I'd play it for you. Wasn't too long ago, a guy told me, Texas Tech can't go to Omaha. Guess what we're about to find out. Softly hit. Here comes Glazer again. Has it happened again? It has! Really weren't thinking about playing. We are thinking about playing baseball. It carries well. A diving catch! Stephen Conley with a play of his life for the first time. It'll be guns up! Do you remember what you said in your introductory press conference two years ago? Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Of course I do. I mean, why not? Why not dream big? Why not dream big? Why not Texas Tech in Omaha? Why not Texas Tech in the Final Four? That's what I love to see. Love to hear these guys. They're men of conscience that are out there doing things and following a vision, trusting their experience and what they know about their respective games. 
I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm a basketball super fan. It's not my number one sport by any means. I've enjoyed watching. I get just as excited as everyone else does in those tight basketball games and, you know, hoping the Red Raiders are going to pull something out. It's so much fun to watch, but got to get my wife out from under a blanket. She gets so nervous watching basketball games. But when it comes down to it, man, it's fun to be a Red Raider right now. Spring sports at Texas Tech are so strong. It is fun to be a Red Raider. Well, we're going to dive in and we're going to recap this Kansas State series. Your Red Raiders went to Manhattan. They took two of three from the Kansas State Wildcats. We'll talk a little bit about those and look ahead to a two-game midweek in Albuquerque versus the University of New Mexico Lobos. So the freshman Micah Dallas gets his second start. The Friday night game was pushed back to Saturday because of weather, so you ended up with a doubleheader on Saturday. Micah Dallas starts the early game on Saturday. Really go through three scoreless innings. The Red Raiders go down in the fourth, two nothing. They score a run in the fifth, and then two more in the sixth. It ends up going into the seventh, tied three three, and then Texas Tech breaks it open. They have three runs in the seventh and four runs in the eighth. Tack one more on in the ninth. End up winning eleven to four. 14 hits on the day for the Red Raiders, only nine for K-State. And the big stat line, one error for the Red Raiders, five errors in the book for the Kansas State Wildcats. Just really, really struggled in the field, just kicking the ball around. Just not a good day for them. That is going to hurt you every time, especially in high-level baseball. So again, for Texas Tech, really the story of the day is the shortstop position. As Gus talked to us about last week, Easton Morrell did get the start there. Not terrible at the plate. He went one for three. He had a run scored. But Morrell ended up with an error and gets pulled in favor of Drew Baker, who comes in and goes one for two, also with a run scored. Just really starting to get worried about that position. You're not finding a lot of answers there, and it didn't get any better throughout the weekend. You ended up also seeing Parker Kelly get a chance at shortstop over the weekend against Kansas State. Micah Dallas ends up with a really solid start. He ends now 3-0 and on the season. He went six innings pitched. He allowed six hits, three runs, two walks, three strikeouts, didn't hit anyone. Not too bad. Going six full innings is definitely strong work. It's tough to go out there and pitch on the road, certainly when you've had your schedule changed up as well. Kudos to Micah Dallas for getting out there and taking care of business. Taylor Floyd came in in relief. He did two full innings, had two hits, one run, one walk, two strikeouts. If there's one thing I've noticed about Floyd is he's just a strikeout guy. I mean, he's not always getting ground outs and and relying on his defense. He's a guy that fans some batters, and it's fun to watch him go out there and be successful. And we saw Trey Garlick come in. He had an inning pitched to close the game out, only allowed one hit, had one walk, one strikeout, no runs. So a pretty solid day overall for the Red Raiders. They stretched out Kansas State pitching, especially the best of that starting rotation in bullpen, and gave them all they could handle. I mean, 11-4 to is definitely not a bad score when you're thinking about being on the road and in a place that also the weather wasn't great, so it's nice to see the Red Raiders hop in and take care of business there. But let's just be completely honest. K-State, at the bottom of the Big 12, they're 11-15, and 0-4 uh, after this game in the conference. So not really looking super strong for them. It was in the 40s that game, so again, not great weather. Didn't end up raining during the game, but just not a completely enjoyable day out there to play baseball. 
you had some pretty good performers on the day. Gabe Holt goes three for five with two RBI, two runs scored, and a walk. Just a nice, strong day for him. He needed some good bounce-back time. Cole Stilwell got the start at DH, as he has been. He went one for six with an RBI. Josh Young, one for three with two ribbies and two runs scored. Definitely not bad for Josh Young. Still not getting out of him what you hope to. He did draw two walks as well, so still being productive as you need him to. And then a little kind of side storyline there as well. Early in the game, Dylan Noisy got tossed for arguing, is what the official scorebook said. Really didn't know what there was to argue about. It was kind of a routine pop-up. Noisy arguing about something he didn't like ends up getting tossed out of the game. In college baseball, of course, that means you're then ineligible for the next game. So Noisy missed the majority of the doubleheader on Saturday and wasn't available. Max Marshock went in in relief into center field. He went one for three with two RBI and a walk as well. So overall, not not terrible performances. Cameron Warren, two for five with a run scored. And Braxton Fulford, two for four, three runs scored on the day for him. So enjoyed seeing the Red Raiders out there making some things happen. You only had that one error. It was Easton Morrell at shortstop. Just still struggling to find an answer there. But But as we talked about as well with Gus, kind of looking for that other bat to show up. Starting to see a little bit more production from your regular starters. You got Gabe Holt back in that leadoff position. Dylan Noisy had been moved to the five hole on the day. Of course, lost that position as he was ejected. So you're hoping that, you know, somebody's going to step up. Cody Masters out there in left field. Maybe he's going to be an option for you. Stillwell has been in a fair amount at DH, getting some opportunities there. So you roll into the afternoon game against Kansas State, and maybe I jinxed it. I made the comment to some friends like, hey, you know, this was going to be the tougher game, and it was tough early on, and the Red Raiders were able to pull away. And I really thought that K-State would probably have used up the majority of their pitching. I thought that you'd see a little bit more boat racing going on, but that was not to be had. The Red Raiders were down 3 nothing in the second game going through the second inning. They ended up coming back with two runs in the third and then two more in the fifth to t- take the lead, and they ultimately win 4-3. to three. Nine hits on the day for the Red Raiders and eight for K-State. No errors on either side on this one. Of course, this was the game Caleb Killian got the start, what would have been the normal Saturday start. He went five innings pitched, had five hits, three runs, two walks, had four strikeouts. He hit two batters, though. Don't normally see that from Killian. He improves to 3-2 and two on the season. Dane Haveman turned in three really solid innings of relief. Three hits, no runs, and four strikeouts. Really looks good out there for Dane. And then Clayton Beater came in and got his fifth save of the season, went an inning pitch, had one walk and three strikeouts. Had a wild pitch mixed in there as well, and definitely not a positive thing to see for a guy that you're setting up to be a strong closer for you. But Beater's been strong out there. He's been getting saves. He's gotten himself in trouble in situations and been able to work out of it. So good to see him still in there making things happen. The Red Raiders really put it to Wicks, the starting pitcher for Kansas State. He went five innings pitched, gave up eight hits, four runs, two walks. He fanned nine Red Raiders, and he had a wild pitch mixed in there. The nine strikeouts, though, obviously not enough to keep Texas Tech totally down as they did pull ahead and, and were able to maintain their lead. Really a rough day at the plate for some of the Red Raiders that you thought hadn't taken a step forward in the first game. Gabe Holt going 0 for 5 in this game. Cole Stillwell, though, 3 for 4 with two runs, and he also drew a walk. Josh Young 0 for 3. He did score a run. He had two walks to get himself on. 
Brian Klein, three for four with a run and three ribbies in this one. Definitely nice to see him continue to contribute. Tanner Otremba got the start in left field in this game. And he had Cody Masters pinch hit in later. Kurt Wilson also played some left field in this one. Parker Kelly, as I said, got the start at shortstop. He went one for four on the day. And he had Max Marshock out there. He actually ended up getting caught stealing as well. Just not really the cleanest day for the Red Raiders. They didn't have any errors booting the ball around, but they did just not look fantastic. This was one that I had to listen to on the radio, did some family travel this weekend, but just wasn't the performance that you were hoping to see, especially in the back half of a doubleheader where you feel like you had just some really good time to warm up. You've been out there. Uh, maybe the weather's a little bit better. I'm sure it did get a little chillier as it got darker out there later in the day. This game started about 5.30 in the afternoon, went a little over three hours. So the Red Raiders end up getting that series win there. And you're walking into Sunday thinking, all right, this is a good opportunity to get a conference sweep to kind of right the ship here, get things where they need to be, especially against an opponent like this. And it was unfortunately just not meant to be. The Red Raiders go down losing four runs to five to K-State. They out hit them nine hits to six. They had one error. K-State did not have any. Kurt Wilson actually ends up earning the loss on this game. Erickson Lanning was your starter. He did not look sharp. He went four and two-thirds innings pitched, had four hits, two runs. Only one of them earned, though. Kurt Wilson came in in relief, did an inning and a third, but gave up two hits, three runs, two of those earned, had one walk, one strikeout, had a wild pitch in there, and a hit batsman as well. Caleb Freeman did come at the end and looked pretty solid with two innings pitched, only gave up one hit. He had four strikeouts in his outing. So not a great day for the Red Raiders there on Sunday, hoping to get that sweep, and it didn't work out. Morrell got the start at shortstop, again gets an error. Dylan Noisy and Cameron Warren both stole bases for you, but just not able to get things going the way you need to, not able to hit situationally as you would hope. Gabe Holt did get back in the hits column. He had, he went one for four with a ribby and a walk. Cole Stillwell also one for three with two walks. Josh Young, another tough, tough day going 0 for 5 at the plate. Brian Klein goes 1 for 5. Dylan Noisy really with a great day. He's back in the lineup. Of course, you won the games that he was out of on Saturday, and then he comes back Sunday, goes two for three with three runs scored, a RBI and two walks, gets a stolen base, but then not quite enough, and you end up not able to pull it out. Cody Masters with a hit in his three at-bats. Cameron Warren going three for four on the day. All three of his hits were doubles, so that's a career-high three doubles in a game for Cameron Warren. He had his first stolen base of the year. He's three for three in his career as a Red Raider in stolen bases. That's his eighth multi-hit game of the season, and he leads the team with 33 RBI on the year. I'm pretty sure he's near the top of the Big 12 as well. Dylan Noisy, as I said, two for three. He had two walks, three RBI, a stolen base. One of those hits was a home run, a solo shot for Noisy. That's his fifth home run of the season, second on the team. He's 11 for 11 in stolen bags this season, and he's reached base safely 23 of his first 24 games as a Red Raider. Cole Stilwell came on pretty strong this weekend. He was one for three with two walks. He reached base safely 10 times over the weekend. Five of those were hits and five of them were walks. So, you know, you're looking for that extra bat. You're looking for somebody that'll get on base and be a base runner for you. Maybe Cole Stillwell is the person that's emerging. He's certainly not Zach Reams out there just hitting nonstop dongs, but 
Maybe he's a guy that can get on base, and that's who you need out there, somebody that can score runs if you can get your regular starters hitting guys around. So all in all, not a bad weekend for the Red Raiders. They go 2-1 and one against Kansas State on the road. It's tough to get a road sweep in the Big 12. Texas Tech is the only team in the Big 12 that has yet to play a home conference series. They'll have that coming up this next weekend against the Kansas Jayhawks at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. But before that happens, they'll be playing the New Mexico Lobos in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in a two-game series on Tuesday and Wednesday. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that series. We'll look at the Lobos briefly. Before we do that, I want to talk about kind of the statistics, do a little bit of a roundup here on stats for the Red Raiders. So Dylan Noisy continues to lead the team, 393 average for him in 84 at-bats. He leads the team with 31 runs scored, and he leads it by a lot the next Two in that list, Brian Klein and Cameron Warner, 10 runs behind him. He's got 33 hits, which is second on the team to Brian Klein, who has 34. He's hit six doubles. He continues to lead the team in triples with four. He's got five home runs, which is second to Cameron Warren, six. He's got 25 RBI. That's third on the team to Brian Klein with 27 and Cameron Warren with 33. But all in all, he leads the team in total bases with 61. He's slugging a 726 right now. He's also second on the team with 20 walks. Brian Klein and Josh Young both have 21. He's worn two pitches. That's even with first on the team along with Tanner Otrimba. His on-base percentage is a 514 that leads the team by far. The next closest is Brian Klein with a 475. As I said, he's 11 for 11 in stolen bases. Gabe Holtz, 15 for 18 on the season. Just all in all, Dylan Noisy, as Gus said in our last episode, really kind of the MVP of this team. He's also error-free. He's got a 1,000 fielding percentage right now. Just really, really a strong, strong showing for Dylan Noisy. You can't ask much more out of that young man. Brian Klein, second on your team in batting average with a 374. I mentioned a lot of his numbers going along there. He does lead the team in at bats at 91. He's got a 473 slugging percentage and 475 on base percentage. All around, he just continues to be Mr. Consistency for the Red Raiders, and you need him to be because some of those regular contributors are just not feeling it right now. Cameron Warren batting a 348 in 89 at bats. His slugging percentage is a 663. You definitely like the power he's brought to the table. He's second on the team with 59 total bases on the season. 33 RBI, that's a team leader. Six home runs also leading. Eight doubles, that is tied for the top with Josh Young. He's got a triple on the season as well. That was a fun one to watch him leg out. Cameron Warren has also been strong at the plate this season, and he's had some really solid plays at first base as well. He has made some strong ones over the weekend included. It's not easy to take a single step dive into the gap or the other direction towards the foul line, and Cameron Warren has been doing a good job of that. I mentioned Hunter Hargrove and his athleticism at first base early in the season, and Cameron Warren has definitely proven me wrong when it comes to what he's able to do over there. He may not get every single ball, nobody does, but he's made some really nice snags at first base for the Red Raiders. His experience as a senior out there is definitely being enjoyed by this team defensively. 
So Josh Young, as we've talked about, a little bit of struggle there. He's batting a 310 right now on the season. He is slugging a 494, but I know that he is just not doing what it is that he would like to be doing. And I think that you'll continue to see him improve as you get to see that quad injury continue to get better. He still doesn't look like he's going full speed around the base pass. So you still wonder how much that has been nagging him a little bit. Gabe Holt batting a 281 currently. He's got 27 hits, which is near the top of the team as well. Gabe Holt just 19 walks on the season. Normally you see him lead in that category, not far off the pace, but right around third on the team. Gabe Holt, I know, is frustrated as well. I think he is just an excellent hitter, and he expects more of himself. And certainly nothing to be angry with him about. This team had a little bit of a dip last season around this time as well, and they worked their way out of it. And I think you'll continue to see them get better and improve through conference play. There's certainly no reason to doubt this coaching staff or the guys on this team. They're going to get some things figured out. It's just going to take them a little time to get there. And we want to see them playing their best baseball in postseason play. They don't have to be playing their best baseball in early April. So they're going to start getting there. And and I do have faith that that will turn out for the Red Raiders. So your Red Raiders are 18-7 and seven on the season. They're 3-3 three and three in conference play. As I said, they'd be facing the New Mexico Lobos in a two-game midweek this week. So both of these games can be heard on the Texas Tech Sports Network. That's Double T 97.3 and the Double T 97.3 app. These are televised. They're on the Mountain West Network. So you'll have to check your own listings for your cable provider or whoever it is to see how you can access the Mountain West Network. I do believe, if I remember from last season, there is a streaming option for the Mountain West Network, so you should be able to see these games if you're available to do so. 7 o'clock on April 2nd and 2 o'clock on April 3rd, that's Wednesday, should be something to see. Now, I would love to sit here and tell you the New Mexico Lobos are just total trash, but they're not and they never are. They're 14 and 13 on the season. They're 6 and 6 in the Mountain West Conference, but they have played some really strong competition on the season. They've got two losses to Oregon State. Also had a win, 11-1 over Minnesota, who's number 24 in the nation. They won a four-game series, taking three games against Niagara. They beat Arizona 5-4. They took two of three from an early series against their conference opponent, San Jose State. They also took two of three at home against Cal State Fullerton. That was back in early March. They lost a series to Nevada, took one out of three on the road. That's a Mountain West series for them. They were swept by Oklahoma in Albuquerque, and they took one out of three to Mountain West opponent, San Diego State. But none of these teams are pushovers by any means. They did have a loss to New Mexico State, and they took two of three from UNLV, and now they'll be facing the Red Raiders. So a team that's testing itself. They're not just playing nobodies and padding stats. I mean, it's a team that's definitely playing some competition, and be curious to see how the Red Raiders do. Road trips to Albuquerque are always something to make you a little bit nervous in the midweek when for these Red Raiders. New Mexico teams are never pushovers like we wish that we could believe they are. As far as these games go, it's always tough to figure out on a two-game midweek who's going to get what kind of action for either team. I would assume that you'll see Bryce Bonin get a start 
in this two-game midweek. That's just going to be my guess. Not sure who else you're going to see come out there. Maybe just a full Johnny Bullpen kind of situation in the Wednesday game. Don't want to burn too many arms up. Just kind of give everybody an inning before you head into a, a home conference series over the weekend. Tristan Lively for the New Mexico Lobos has been getting a couple of these midweek starts. He's got a 7.59 ERA. His strikeout to walk ratio is 7 to 16, so not strong for him. He did get one start against Oklahoma, went three and two thirds innings, but then the next time you saw him in a midweek, it was more of a Johnny bullpen situation as well. So I would imagine you'll see a lot of arms coming out of New Mexico's bullpen, but offensively, they are a team that can press you a little bit. They have seven players batting over 300 on the season. They're led by Jared Mang. He's batting a 394 and 109 at bats. He's got 31 runs scored. 43 hits. He's hit 15 doubles. He's got three dingers, 34 RBI. He's slugging a 670. His on-base percentage is a 461. He's got 15 walks. Definitely a guy offensively that really makes them go. Now, Connor Mang, yes, there I'm sure is a relation. He's batting a 327, slugging a 523. He's got 11 walks. Lots of similar numbers there. Those two, along with Hayden Schilling, who's batting a 315, those three have seen the most at bats at over 100 on the season. They're all three hits leaders for the team and definitely helping make the offense go. So those are the guys kind of the lookout for New Mexico. I'm not going to dive in and belabor these guys too much. It's a midweek series and I think as we look at this baseball season so far, people are starting to get a little bit nervous. I feel like the team hasn't quite put everything together. And I'll just remind you that we feel like that often. It happens many years. It definitely happens in baseball. It's why it's a long season sport. Yes, they're taking a little bit of time to figure some things out. Yes, some guys are not quite producing the way they would like to be. And I think there's some things for them to work on and continue to battle through. But at the end of the day, I have a lot of faith that this team will put some things together. We're going to see them come on and get pretty hot as they go forward. And if we don't, it's still going to be a good baseball season for the Red Raiders. You have so much talent on this team. They're going to be able to make some things happen that many teams cannot do without the talent they have. But I think you're going to see some stars begin to reemerge and see some guys start to come back on as they finally start to put some things together. It's going to be a fun baseball season for the Red Raiders. And I'm not worried because no matter what, win or lose, we get to sit out in the stands at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park and enjoy some baseball. I want to enjoy W's as much as the rest. But if they're not all W's, that's okay, too. It's going to be beautiful times to watch baseball out here in Lubbock, Texas. And I imagine we'll have postseason baseball coming our way again. So that's me. That's my optimistic self. I appreciate everybody tuning in. I'm going to leave you today before the outro with a little bit of Chris Beard in a locker room speech, something that I've played several times. I just so respect this guy and what he stands for. I fully expect him to be around Texas Tech for a very long time. Be on the lookout on Staking the Plains this week. I will have an article there about why I don't think Chris Beard is going to be going anywhere anytime soon. I fully believe that he's a guy that's going to be here for a long, long time, and he's going to build something really special at Texas Tech. So be on the lookout for that. Try to watch the games against New Mexico, and if I don't talk to you before then, we'll see you this weekend at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park for the Kansas Jayhawks. I'll be back in your feet on Thursday with a look ahead to the Jayhawks, and until then, wreck them. All right, we've won two four-team tournaments. We came here to win two, play 80. We did. Now we'll go to Minneapolis. It's another four-team tournament. we got to play 80 minutes of basketball. The toughest game in any tournament is what? The first game. All right, we'll enjoy this one a little bit longer than that. <laughs>
Yeah, you know, just 30, 36? In these moments, fellas, I know it's almost impossible to remember things, but man, just you guys know uh, George Tuttle, our friend Tuttle. He's on his, he's, he's fighting for his life right now, man. He lives out here in California. He wanted to come to these games. Uh, but he just couldn't. He's been sending me texts. He wanted me to congratulate you guys and all. But I think back to Tuttle, and I really never told him about this publicly, but Tuttle is really the reason I got into college coaching. When I went to college, I didn't know if I was going to be a high school coach or a college coach. And George Tuttle was an assistant at Cal State Florida at the time. And he kind of took me under his wing. And he told me something I'll never forget, man. Don't let anybody ever tell you what you can and can't do. Don't ever settle. You can do anything you want in this world. I think that's what our team was this year. Great, great season last year. And this season, we didn't let any of that dictate our own journey, man. We kept our own expectations, okay? So now I'm telling you, we'll be a factor in this Final Four. We're good enough to win the whole thing. We'll have to play our best two games of the year. We'll be prepared. We'll work for you guys. Uh, but just don't ever, don't ever let anybody tell you what you can and can't do, man, because you can do anything when you surround yourself with uh, people, okay? Coach and staff, unbelievable job this weekend to win these two. We'll enjoy this for a couple hours, and we'll get right back to work, okay? Yes, Everybody in. Let's go. Proud of you guys, man. Let's stay humble in victory. Gonzaga, great team. One of the best teams we played this year, obviously. Very, very good. We're fortunate to advance, okay? Going to win as a team, win with class. Uh, just like sometimes we have to run out of time with class, okay? All right, team on three. One, two, three, team! Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone? There's just one kind of man that you can trust. That's a dead man or a gringo like me. Be the first one to fire. Every man is a liar. There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me